And since I know nothing about it, I can't fix that. So anyway, we'll, we're going to go back to the old style today, okay? No PowerPoint today in Sunday school. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Daniel chapter 3. That's our study text. Our title today is Faith Under Fire. Our family theme is Standing Against Idolatry. Three key truths this morning. Number one, following God, the one true God, may put us in a minority. I'll say this, it will put us in a minority, okay? Second of all, following the one true God may at times put us at risk. And number three, the third key point is choosing to be true to God is a witness to those who are around us. Now, I do want to say on that third point, we'll be talking more about that later on. I think it's important for you and I as Christians to be consistent in our witness. Don't you agree? Because if we're not, sporadic witnessing doesn't do any good. We have to be consistent in our witness. Our Bible basics this morning, uh, we're encouraged to memorize the last part of Luke chapter 4, verse 8, uh, where Jesus told Satan, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. Of course, that's in response to when Satan asked Christ to bow down to him, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. Of course, he just quoted the word of God. So we're in Daniel chapter 3. So where does it fit? Well, it's during the Babylonian captivity, sometime between 605 and uh, 536 B.C. And we know that God is not, a, even though he is punishing his people for their sins, has he abandoned them? No. And he, of course, he never will. Under our get started this morning, have you ever found your, uh, yourself at a, at a place or a time when you kind of were alone in your opinion uh, or your belief about something? Ever found yourself in a situation like that? You know, the truth of the matter is, if we stand for God and... Uh, Anytime we're together with, with non-believers, uh, they're not going to agree with our viewpoint. They, they simply won't do that. And so sometimes it's not uh, easy to be in a situation uh, like that. But the question is, whenever we are there, are we going to stay true to what we believe? Are we going to be consistent in our walk with God? Now, I am thankful that so far uh, I have not been ridiculed too much, you know, a little bit here and there, uh, but nothing compared to what some people were in, you know, throughout history. But today we're going to look at three Hebrews who stayed true even when any, everyone else believed differently. And, you know, uh, we've all studied this before, but I, I'm... Uh, I never stopped being amazed at what went on that day. So we're looking at three people who said, you know what? We are going to stay true to God no matter what. Now, if you know anything at all about the first, about the book of Daniel, you know the first two chapters focus primarily on Daniel. And when we get to chapter three, it's the, the scene kind of shifts and the focus is now 
on three of his Jewish companions that we did meet in chapter 1. And we're going to find out in chapter 3, because they are faithful to God, it is going to set them apart, but also put them at risk. But the good news is, God has not abandoned them, okay? Now, let me just share a couple things. How many of you, now, we're in chapter 3. Uh, do you remember what happened in chapter 2 of Daniel? Remember the king had a vision. Remember that? He had a dream. Okay, Daniel explained it to him. And what's interesting, and what's always kind of caught my attention, uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he calls these magicians in, these these sorcerers, you know, the whole group of them. He says, I've had a dream. And I don't want you only to tell me the interpretation. I want you to tell me the dream. Think about that. And what was their reply? We can't do that. There's not, King, there's not a man alive. I mean, you tell us your dream first, and then we will tell you the interpretation. Now, you have to understand, uh, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't dumb. Because what do you realize? If you can't tell me the dream, you can't tell me interpretation. So nonetheless, and you're right, uh, Wayne, uh, the, the edict went out that all the magicians and all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. And who was among that group? Daniel was. And so Daniel goes before Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, Daniel agreed with the rest of the wise men. He said, there's not a man alive can do what you're asking, but there's a God. And that God revealed to me. And so he tells Nebuchadnezzar his dream. And what was the essence of that dream? Anybody remember what it was all about? Different kingdoms. Different kingdoms. Exactly right. And of course, Nebuch- it started with Nebuchadnezzar. So he was the head of gold. And each kingdom was a little bit less and less and less. Different kinds of metals in, uh, in the portrayal of that dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. But nonetheless, I, and here's what's interesting to me. I read through it again this week just to refresh my memory. Of the entire chapter. And, uh, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar in so many words, God has shown you how the kingdom of the world is going to unfold. And then he says to Nebuchadnezzar, you need to understand, this is sure. Meaning what? It's going to happen just the way you saw it. So that kind of sets the stage, helps us better understand what is going to happen in chapter 3. Now, by the way, uh, Daniel did interpret that dream. And because of that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar gave him, I, I guess you might say, second position in all the land. You know, we had Nebuchadnezzar, and now Daniel is second in line because Nebuchadnezzar honored what Daniel had done. So let's pick it up in chapter 3, the first 12 verses. And we're going to find out that when you stand for God... You're probably going to be in the minority. Anybody want to read the first 12 verses? Set up. 
All right, thank you, Dan. You want to repeat those instru- instruments one more time? <laughs> I always, always get tickled because the whole list. But it's interesting. Now, remember, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in chapter 2. Daniel interpreted that dream. And Daniel said, uh, on what you saw, you ha- there was a statue in that dream. It had a head of gold. And then Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar who that head of gold represented. Who was it? Yeah, that's you, O king. That head of gold is your kingdom. So what we're seeing take place here in chapter 3 is that Nebuchadnezzar is looking to consolidate his kingdom. Now remember, there are people from all over the world. Over 120 provinces there uh, in that Babylonian kingdom. And people from different cultures, uh, different nations, nations, if you will. Um, and so he wants to bring them together. It's interesting. So he sends out a command. He wants a statue built. An enormous statue. And what's the one it made out of? Gold. Now, by the way, normally in that culture, <clears throat> and even among the Jews, when they made idols, 
Uh, they may have a golden uh, covering over it, but usually they carved a piece of wood out first, and they plated it with gold of some kind. But nonetheless, he wanted this statue, this golden statue. Now, it's interesting. <laughs> I want this enormous image. By the way, how, how big was this statue? Anybody have any idea in, in, in American language how big it was? It was 90 feet tall. And by the way, a cubit's about a foot and a half. And so you had 60 cubits, and you add 30 more to that. That's 90 feet. But it was only about 9 feet wide, really out of proportion. And uh, <laughs> now keep in mind, 90 feet is not very long, maybe, but it's pretty high. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Now think about that. That's a long way up there. This is a huge image. Now, many scholars believe uh, it was probably fashioned uh, after the false Babylonian god Nebo. Uh, and again, they would have wood and then a gold plating on it. The Bible says it's in the plain of Dura. And that word Dura can mean several things, certainly a plain, but also it could be a walled area, which would make sense because if you have an image of gold, what do people want? Yeah, you got to protect it. They might want a little bit of that gold, right? Then that's possible. We don't know. But nonetheless, it's in the plain of Dura, somewhere near, most scholars believe, the city of Babylon. Now, it's interesting. The image in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel interpreted in chapter 2, was that image all gold? No. Just the head. But Nebuchadnezzar had an idea of his own. When he made his image, it was what? All gold. Every bit of it was gold, at least plated in gold. From head to foot. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, folks. He wasn't content with what God said. God said to him, you know, your kingdom won't last forever. So, sort of in spite of what God had said, Nebuchadnezzar decided... I am going to make my image all of gold. By the way, there is a Babylonian document that talks about the time when Nebuchadnezzar built this image. Kind of interesting. And in that document, this statue says uh, was to encourage future rulers... Now, certainly Nebuchadnezzar didn't think he'd live forever. But his point was, I want them to honor and preserve what I built. My ideas, my philosophy. That's why he made it all out of gold. And in that document, he wrote, every king that would do that would honor what I did and not destroy what I've done. He said, you'll have a long life and you'll have a long reign. Now think about that. And, and so his whole idea was to bring uh, his power to sort of uh, consolidate his power in such a way that his kingdom would endure even after he was gone. My question is, how conceited can you be? Now, remember what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. 
This thing is sure. It's going to happen just the way God did. So anyway, Nebuchadnezzar uh, builds this huge, weird-looking statue. And who's he invite? To come. Yeah. Yeah. And these were up and in people, right? From all over the provinces. Now, by the way, I said invite. I don't think the word invite would work, do you? What do you think it was? Come on, you better be there, right? This is not no RSVP. You will be there, right? I, I, I kind of think we can agree with that. And, and so again, the whole idea is to show your loyalty. So show your loyalty and everything. Show it to me, if you will, and make sure you will serve not only uh, the Babylon, Babylon's God, but also his king. And just in case you're wavering what to do, you have a choice. You have a choice to make. What were the choices? Yeah, bow down or burn. Huh. Think about that. Not much of a choice, right? And I gotta tell you folks, my opinion is the only way I cannot bow is by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Now, now remember, Dan, Dan, would you mind reading those music one more time? No, I'm kidding, brother. But, but, you know, keep in mind, these, these are people from all over the world, the known, the known world, and different culture, different music is, and, and they're all there. And, and, and they're all there. And so the command was, when you hear that music play, you're to do what? Bow down. A win, Wayne. 20 minutes later, 15 minutes later? Yeah, immediately. So, according to our story here in Daniel chapter 3, according to what the Bible says, uh, as soon as that music began to play, what happened? They bowed down. They bowed down and worshipped the image. Now, let me remember, remind us, that worship in the Bible always means bowing down. Always. Now, the truth of the matter is, I wonder how many really cared anything about that statue. What? Say it again, Wayne. Not many. What do they care about? Yeah, we don't want to burn. So we'll go ahead and we will bow. Now, I'm glad we don't have to deal with jealous people in our world anymore. Okay? You know I'm kidding there. But remember, these people from all over the world, you know, different provinces, they were different, different parts of the world, and now they're there. And Nebuchadnezzar has already promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to a pretty high place in the provinces there. And uh, we have, we're not told how many people were there, but there are a lot of people there. And everybody bows down except who? Those three. You think they were noticeable? <laughs> you aren't kidding. I mean, without a doubt. And yet we have to understand, in, in this empire made up of different people, there was a lot of tension going on. 
And uh, we're not told who these men were, just certain Chaldeans, Babylonians. And without a doubt, they were jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why were they jealous? Yeah, why do we? Plus, there's no doubt Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had a better position they had than they had in the land. Oh, and they were Jews. That makes it, yeah. That just kind of adds insult to injury, if you will, uh, because of who they were. Now, <laughs> think about this. How quick do you think that these Jealous Chaldeans go to the king. Now, right away. I mean, they can't wait to get there. <laughs> so, they tell him the news. King, there's certain Jews who simply would not bow down. Now, please understand, because of their faith in the one God, it caused them to stand out from the crowd. Now, by the way, doesn't matter which culture you live in, even our culture today, would you agree that even our culture marches to its own drumbeat? Yeah. And uh, it amazes me, it amazes me that, well, it shouldn't, I guess, but the fact of the matter is, they don't accept those who will not go along with it. And my friends can get worse and worse until Jesus comes. So, we're just a part of a, of a lot of people who through the years who have understood that being faithful to God is more important. More important than getting along with our culture. Being faithful to God. So let's apply it. We need to worship God, follow His ways, even when most other people don't. Follow God. Follow his ways. Worship him, even when most people don't. Okay, let's, let's discuss this a little bit. What are some of the images or ideas that the culture today wants us to bow down to today? Oh, yeah, bow down to that. Yeah. And, and folks, it's not going to quit. What about being happy? Whatever it takes for you to be happy. Now, it amazes me today. It's all about how you feel. Forget about the facts. Forget about what the Bible says. Just whatever makes you happy, uh, whether it's homosexuality, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, that gender is fluid when it's not, all of those things. They want us to bow down to them. So number one, our first key truth, following the one true God might put us in the minority, probably will. Number two, following the one true God 
may put us at risk. Let's read verses 13 through 23, Daniel chapter 3, please. Thank you, Alan. So these Chaldeans, we're not told how many they were, go and say to Nebuchadnezzar, there's three fellows who haven't bowed down. He, they name them. Now remember, these fellows held a fairly high position in the kingdom. And my question would be, do you think they, these guys who were jealous of them and turned them in really cared whether they bowed or not. What, what were they wanting? What was their motive? Ah, yeah, we'll get rid of these. We're, we're jealous. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll fix you, okay? Now, it's interesting. <laughs> Certainly, uh, according to verse 13, this enraged Nebuchadnezzar. And so he says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Now, remember, he, he, he kind of liked these guys at this point. They were important uh, in his kingdom. They were some of the wisest men there. And he certainly didn't want to lose them. And so maybe, maybe that just an oversight. Let me give him another chance. So he says to them, is what I've heard about you true? I mean, is it really true that you won't bow down and worship my gods or the image I've made you? Is, is that right? 
So what's he say to them? One more chance. Alan, you want to read those music instruments one more time? <laughs> so he says to them, when you hear that music, Chad Rack, me check a betting or do what? Now down. Yeah. And he says, look, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, king, give us a week. Talk this over a little bit. Weigh our options. And we'll come back and give you an answer. Is that what they said? No. We don't need it. We don't need any time. We don't need any time. Now, by the way, um, I kind of jumped ahead on myself a little bit there. But, you know, he says to them, if you don't bow down, I'm going to put you in that furnace. And then he says, he asks a question, who is that God who shall deliver you from my hands? Meaning what? Implying what? Yeah. Now, by the way, Let's put a minor reverse for a little while back to the days of Pharaoh when Moses went there to see Pharaoh and said that Moses and my God has commanded us to go out and to worship three days journey. And Pharaoh said, who is your God? What did Pharaoh find out? Yeah. And so a similar question that Nebuchadnezzar asked. And you're right. They didn't say give us, they didn't say give us five minutes. Said, we don't need to think about this. Now, don't miss their statement of faith. They wanted to make sure that Nebuchadnezzar understood what they believed. King, we know. You ask, who is our God that's able to deliver us? We know our God is able. You talk about faith. We know He can. So, King, make no mistake about that. But also they understand something else. What was that? We know he can. But what? Ah, he may not. He may not choose for whatever reason to deliver us. <laughs> so, King, when we get to the door of that furnace, we'll bow down then. We'll give him that We'll give him that time. No, it doesn't matter. If he chooses not to deliver us, we still won't bow down to your gods. What a statement. What an act of faith. You ask who our God is, we know who he is. And we know what he can do. But even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down. So the idea here is this. Okay, guys, you've made your point. You've you've made your point. Let's go ahead and take care of this situation. And they still wouldn't. 
Now, in verse 13, he was already mad. And now when they refuse to bow down after they have a second chance, how does that affect Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, worse than what he was, right? In fact, now it says that his, his countenance toward them changed. I mean, he liked these guys. He didn't want to lose them. And, and of course, he couldn't take a chance of being embarrassed in front of other people either. And so he was literally enraged. Wow. Alan, you read it a moment ago, how hot did they heat that furnace? Seven times higher. Now, by the way, and almost every theologian would agree with it, they didn't have thermostats back then. So they had no way of gauging it. And the word seven means a completion. And in fact, what it means is they heated it how hot? As hot as they could get it. Now remember, this is show. We're, we're showing these people, here's what's going to happen to you if you don't bow down and worship my image. And so he gets three of the strongest military men he has to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bind them and Throw them in the furnace. Who? If those guys volunteered, they, they wish they never had, right? What happened to those three guys? It was so hot. Yeah. The fire was so hot that it killed them. They lost their lives. Now, please understand, whether it's then or now, whenever God's people are opposed... They're not really opposing us. They're opposing who? God. But it also reminds us that we're involved in a spiritual battle. And things like this uh, certainly happen uh, because our world is a sinful place. Now think about their obedience. And, and, and our study guide pointed out that obedience often takes place in stages. First of all... Uh, they obeyed when everybody gathered together. Okay? Everybody else fell down. What did they do? They stayed, they, they didn't bow down. Okay? So they obeyed there. And then, before Nebuchadnezzar, when he gives them another choice, a second chance, they still obey him. And then, when they're cast in the fire, they didn't say, well, wait a minute, king, we've changed our mind. They continued to obey God. So my question is, who's absent in this story right now, this chapter? We might have thought have been there. What did you say, Cheryl? What do you think? <laughs> Why would you say that? Cheryl thinks he must have been somewhere else. You don't think he, you think if he was there, he would have bowed down? No, we know that wouldn't happen. And you're right, he may have been in other affairs. And, and maybe, now remember, he was second in command. So maybe he wasn't even, you know, needed to be there. I don't know. But we do know this. If he'd have been there, what would he have done? Yeah. So, even though the, the narrative doesn't give us the details there, we know that Daniel certainly couldn't have been there because he would not have bowed down either. So what's the application? Worship God, follow His ways, 
even when it might cost us. And by the way, it could have cost them their lives. Now we know that in our story today, these uh, Chaldeans were jealous. But what do you think, even in our culture today, why do unbelievers often react strongly whenever your eyes stand for God's principles rather than simple practice? Why do they do that? Do you have any idea about that? Oh, I agree. Then I think you hit it right on the head there. Exactly, because, you know, first of all, if you stand for God, you're doing something different than they are. And and without a doubt, that brings conviction on their lives. And so you don't have to say anything. Just live a life pleasing to God, and it brings that kind of conviction on their life. And, and you know, another thing, you know what sin wants? Sin wants to be affirmed. Tell us it's okay to do what we're doing. Now, the problem is in our culture in America today, we're even losing sight of that. Isn't that true? Things are getting so bad in our nation. So we've got to follow God even when it may cost us our lives. Key truth, point number one, it may put us in a minority. Second of all, it may put us at risk. But number three is choosing to be true to God is a witness to those around us. Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 through 30. Thank you, Dan. Wow. Now, many believe this furnace would be like a, have an open end on it, probably where they would uh, smelt iron ore and things like that for purifying metals. And so the king could look in and see what was going on. 
And all of a sudden he's puzzled. What's he puzzled about? So he gets his calculator after doing some addition and subtraction, right? What's going on here? In fact, he would make sure that, you know, again, he didn't throw them in. You know, did we not throw three men in? And what was the answer? Yes. Okay. He verified that. But I see four. Now, the Hebrew literally says, and one is like a son of the gods, not the son of God, okay, but a son of the gods. Many believe it might have been an angel, maybe a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, but all I do know, it was a message sent from God on their behalf. And so, what were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doing in that? What were they doing while they are in there? And somebody, yeah, Cheryl? I didn't do a word sort of it, but it would, you know, and that's certainly probable because they know God's going to, you know, keep in mind, folks, the the guards or the soldiers who threw them in there, what happened to them? They died. Shadrach and Meshach on the inside, what do they realize? We're not going to die. God is going to deliver us. And yeah, they're in there walking around. If they had hot dogs, they'd roast them. I don't know. Marshmallows, maybe s'mores. I don't know. But they know that God has intervened. <laughs> now, here's what's crazy about this. When they were thrown in, they were bound in ropes. What happened to the ropes? Are you crazy, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, now, this is only my opinion. I think you're right, Dan. I don't think, I think they were bound so tight they couldn't untie themselves. So, the king, and he said, come forth and come hither. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Come out of there. <laughs> and then he makes a decree. And by the way, he calls them by name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Now, make no mistake about it, that didn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar converted from uh, polytheism to one God. No. He just added another God among his gods, but this God was higher than the rest of his gods. Okay? Say it again? Yes, absolutely. He did it back in chapter 2. And, and he'll do it again in chapter 5. Uh, and I think then he will, uh, at that point, I think he is a believer in God, okay? That's just my opinion. But yeah, you're right. But he's amazed. <laughs> so here they came out of the fire. Uh, last week I had a little brush pile in my backyard I needed to burn. And uh, our, our property sits a long way off the road, and uh, we got a couple acres there, about two acres, not quite. And so a good, safe place. It just rained. And... Uh, wasn't very big pile, and I didn't get in it. Okay, I, I just I have a, a propane torch I use sometimes to help get it started, and of course then I walk back and kind of rake the the ashes together, make sure it all burned up. I had my John Deere cap on, and uh, and uh, anyway, man, the rest of the day I could I could smell smoke. You ever been in there? You know, I could smell it. Then it done. It's on my cap. It's on my clothes, and I hadn't been in the fire. 
These guys were in the fire, and what did they smell like? Wasn't there smoke? Uh, did you ever get so close to the fire you singe your eyebrows? Or the hair on your arm, huh? Ooh, that, isn't that an awful smell? Uh, it didn't take you long to move back. But, but nothing would burn. Nothing would hurt. Now, by the way, <laughs> only my opinion, I believe there were a lot of these other people watching. Because what did they expect to happen to these guys? To burn up? And so they come out and they're, watch, they're, they're, they're looking at them. No evidence of being in the fire, but what did they know? They had been in the fire. They saw him go in. They saw him come out. Can you imagine the heartbreak of these Chaldeans who said, who told uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, they didn't bow down. They wanted to have them demoted. What happened to them? They were promoted. To one of the highest in the province. Let me remind you something, folks. God was certainly punishing Israel for their disobedience, but he did not abandon them. We have to understand something here. Uh, I think, Dan, you mentioned a moment ago, one of the reasons why they're jealous, because they were Jews too, no doubt about that. But isn't it amazing how God put Jews in influential places to help his people. You have to remember it's during the time of Daniel, because he reigned, he lived to the time of Cyrus, that God calls the people back home. And who do you think might have talked to these kings about that promise? No doubt Daniel did. But God is truly in charge. How much time have I got left, Alan? Two minutes. Well, let's apply it, okay? Oh, well, let me do one more thing real quick before I apply it. God saved these three Hebrew children. But does God always do that? No. I'm sorry, Nick. Yeah. Well, that's because Stephen wasn't as holy as these three guys. We know that's not true, right? Um, first of all, what does God do? Whatever you want. Who knows the best? God does. I think about the New Testament. James was beheaded. What about Peter? Now, later on we know, but yet God delivered Peter that night. You read the book of Hebrews, the first half talked about those who were victorious in their faith of Christ and how God blessed their lives. But the last half talked about those who gave their life. And they're all in that thing of faith, that hall of fame of faith. Folks, God, is, he's, in, he's in charge there. And so some people are martyrs, some are not. Remember, God is our judge. He's also our protector. Let's apply it. Let our choices and our lifestyle be a witness to those around us. Let them know that we... we... Now, by the way, I don't believe we ought to be rude. I don't believe we ought to be crude. I don't believe we need to carry that big 40-pound Bible where we go. But we need to have God's Word in our heart. And not just spewing out God's word, although it's powerful, show people that God's word, Christ, has made a difference in our life. And that's why we live the way that we do. Let's stand together. Next week, chapter 6 of Daniel. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for men and women through the ages who have determined in their heart they are going to stay true to you no matter what. Father, help us to be a part of that group. 
We love you and we praise you. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless each one of you.